This is Ryan Polly, the Coffee House Questions Podcast. Thanks so much for joining me. Hey, I want to let you guys know of a few dates coming up, of events that I'll be at. And uh, hey, if you're going to be there, it'd be awesome to see you and meet you. And these events are in Southern California. So the first one is the Unbelievable Live with Jensen Brierly. Uh, it's on August 27th, which is tomorrow. Uh, why I'm an atheist, why I'm a Christian. Ryan Bell and Sean McDowell join Justin Brierly to discuss faith, reason, and the search for truth. And that one is at Everyday Church in Northridge. Uh, the next one coming up is on September 17th, is the Engage California 2016 conference. And that will be in Chino, California, at Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills. And uh, two of the speakers there, uh, Dennis Prager is the keynote speaker. And joining him are other speakers, including John Stone Street from the Chuck Colson Center for Christian Worldview. And uh, the last one coming up here in the next month is the Rethink Student Apologetics Conference put on by Stand to Reason. That one is at Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa on September 23rd and 24th. And you can find out more information on that at RethinkApologetics.com. So there are a few events, uh, dates that are coming up that I'll be at. And uh, I'd love to see you if you're going to be joining uh, those events as well. All right, well, before we jump into our topic, I want to answer a question that I got online. And so if you have questions, just know that you can send them in on Twitter using hashtag AskRyanP or uh, on Facebook. You can like the Coffeehouse Questions Facebook page, comment on the videos, or send a message on there. And so last week I did the video on uh, witnessing to Mormons, and I talked about inviting them into your house and sitting down and building that relationship with them. And so on that video, I got a question from Matt, and I wanted to read that question and respond to it here in this podcast. So Matt asked, uh, thank you, that was very informative. Quick question, how do we reconcile this with 2 John 10 and 11? Would it be better to discuss this elsewhere, such as a coffee house? No pun intended. Uh, so thank you, Matt, for sending in your question. So for everyone else, let me. I just want to read 2 John, and I'm going to start at verse 9 and go from 9 to 11. So... Here's 2 John 9 to 11. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teachings of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teachings has both the Father and the Son. So here's 10 and 11. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. All right, so what is this verse saying? Well, we first have to understand the verse in context. We have to understand who is saying it, who they're saying it to, and why it is being said. And I want to just give a practical sample from uh, my job as a high school teacher. I may tell a teacher, hey, do not let this student into your room. Well, why should they not be in that teacher's room? Well, they're supposed to be in mine. And so that's, uh, I think, a quick example that may apply here. That's just because you say don't allow them into your house, it doesn't mean never or any house, but there might be a very good reason of why you shouldn't allow them into that house, but maybe other houses are fine. And so I found two things on this verse um, that satisfy um, kind of what I kind of would expect from that time and make a whole lot of sense to me. And so uh, the two things that I see in commentaries are one, uh, talking about the part where it says, do not receive them into your house, refers to hospitality that goes beyond greeting and includes provisions and lodging and other necessities. And so it's this idea if there's a, a speaker um, bringing false, a false gospel, that you're actually kind of financially supporting them, giving them a place to stay, really coming alongside and supporting that ministry. And so here it's like, hey, we shouldn't be supporting the ministries of false preachers. 
Another thing that I've seen in commentaries is it talking about that at that time, uh, there were a whole lot of house churches. And so some people say, hey, when you when you, it says do not receive them into your house, it's like don't receive them into your church and let them stand up and preach as if they're bringing the true gospel. And so you need to be careful uh, with how you receive people and support their ministries if they're preaching a gospel that is not the gospel of Christ. Now, the reason why I think that these make a whole lot of sense and that we should not take this verses at faith's value is because if you do take it at first face value, the next part says, well, it says, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting for whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Now, just taking that at its face value, it's, we shouldn't even be greeting or saying hello. Other translations say do not even welcome him. So, if that is how we're supposed to be reading this, then would it be better to discuss it elsewhere, such as a coffee house? No, I don't think so. Because if you even say hello and greet the person, then you're taking part in his works. And so, I, you know, that's hard to believe, saying that, seeing that Jesus uh, befriended the sinners and went to their houses and, and engaged in relationships with them, than to say, oh, if you even say hello to someone that disagrees with you, you're taking part in their wicked ways. And so I think that's why we can kind of look at this and say, okay, we would not be taught to be disrespectful or kind of inappropriate in our behavior and our relationships with other people and just in the way that we ignore them. Um, That is not the loving way to respond. And so I think that there's a better way to understand the context of that. Uh, When it says, don't invite them into your house, it's saying, hey, we shouldn't be providing financially for a ministry that's preaching contrary gospel, um, or allowing them to speak at our house church as if they're speaking the truth. And so I think uh, that would be a good response uh, to Second John 10 and 11 from Matt. Uh, but thank you, Matt, for sending that in. And the rest of you, you can send in your questions as well. All right, now getting to uh, what I want to talk about this week is kind of part two in a response to how do we respond to Mormons when they come to our doors? And this week, I want to add in responding to Jehovah's Witnesses. I've used this strategy with both Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses. So last week, we looked at um, kind of the doctrine of God and Mormon, of God being changing uh, from being a created person to co- to going to Earth uh, or a planet, living on that planet, being exalted as a God, and then creating our universe, uh, whereas in um, uh, Moroni 8.18, it talks about God being changeless. This one focuses on Jesus. And so I, I want to read the verses um, out of the New World Translation, which is the accepted translation of the Jehovah's Witnesses, um, just to show that even their Bible um, agrees with ours uh, in the readings of these verses. So if a Jehovah's Witnesses come to your house, um, or Mormons, and you want to talk about uh, Jesus Christ, here is a good verse to bring up, and that is John 1, three. John 1.3. So it's after John 1.1 1, 1, where it talks about Jesus um, being the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, or the Word was a God, and that is, you know, can be a topic of conversation. But when you go into John 1.3, it says, all things came into existence through him, being Jesus, and apart from him, not even one thing came into existence. Now, here's why this verse is important. Both Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons believe that Jesus is a created being. They also believe that Jesus created everything. John 1.3 says this in their own Bible. 
for apart from him not even one thing came into existence. Now here's the problem with those two beliefs. If not even a single thing came into existence apart from Jesus, meaning that he created everything that began to exist, if he began to exist, then that means that he would have to create himself. It doesn't seem very likely that Jesus would be able to, or that, that someone is able to create themselves. You, you can't create if you do not exist. And so this verse seems very interesting when it says, no, apart from him, not even one thing came into existence. So he could not come into existence. It's because here Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses both believe that God first created Jesus and then through Jesus, God created everything else. And they will use the analogy of a builder, a contractor, and then his workers. And the contractor can say, I created everything. That would be God, right? I, or, I built this building. That's what the contractor says. Now, did he really do the labor? No, he didn't. The workers did the labor. But the contractor can say, I built the building. In the same way, Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons will say, God created... But he created through Jesus or using Jesus. Jesus was the worker. Well, here's the problem with that. Along with John 1, 3, it says, Apart from him, not even one thing came into existence. You have Isaiah 44, 24. And in the New World Translation, it says this. This is what Jehovah says, your repurchaser, who formed you since you were in the womb. I am Jehovah who made everything. There it is. Jehovah made everything. And they would say, oh, that is through Jesus. But then he says, I stretched out the heavens by myself. I spread out the earth. Who was with me? And it's at this point I normally ask the Jehovah's Witness, well, here it says that he did it by himself. In your analogy of the contractor creating everything through his workers, would the contractor said, I built that building by myself? The answer is no, he wouldn't. He could say, I built it, but I, would, I didn't build it by myself. And so I think here is kind of a, a second easy to remember, John 1, 3 and Isaiah 44, 24. They can show, look, God created everything. He was by himself. Jesus created everything that came into existence. The best explanation or the best way that these verses go together, the only way they go together, is that if Jesus is God. And Jesus has to be eternally existent as God for him to create everything that came into existence. Because if he came into existence as a created being of God, and then he created everything else that came into existence, that would be one thing that was created without him. But John 1, thing, John 1 3 says, apart from him, not even one thing came into existence. So I think this is a very good way with both Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses to help them see that Jesus is eternal and that he created everything that came into existence because he is God. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Uh, I just want to let you know, uh, remind you once again, check out those events that are coming up in Southern California. There's also the Rethink coming up in Dallas. And uh, like the Coffee House Questions Facebook page and be able to interact, ask questions, and watch the live stream of this podcast. This has been Ryan Polly with Coffee House Questions. Have a blessed week. Won't hesitate to follow your love.